morning. It is good to have all of you here this morning. We'll begin our service this morning by singing the doxology, and it's found in your red hymnal, number 549. The doxology in the red hymnal, number 549. Do not be worried and upset, Jesus told them. Believe in God and believe also in me. There are many rooms in my Father's house, and I am going to prepare a place for you. I would not tell you this if it were not so. And after I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to myself so that you will be where I am. You know how to get to the place where I am going. Jesus said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way to get there? Jesus answered him, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one goes to the Father except by me. Now that you have known me, he said to them, you will know my Father also. And from now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Amen. Our first hymn this morning is number 485, Take My Life and Let It Be. Number 485, Take My Life and Let It Be.
Let us go to the Lord in prayer together. Our gracious God, Lord, we come before you in our present condition. Lord, you know of the things that we have been thinking about, our concerns that we have in our lives. And Lord, we just lay them before you right now. God, we would ask that you would remind us to take a few moments of each day just to spend time with you, to think about the things of God in our lives, to think about our relationship with you, to take time to understand how much you do love us and how much you do care for us, and to set aside all of those emotional concerns that we have, all of the physical concerns that we have, and just be concerned with our spiritual life with you. And so we lift each and every one of us that are here this morning for that purpose. Lord, we think of those patients that are watching us here this morning. Lord, we lift them up to you in prayer. We lift up the staff to you as well, the family members who will be visiting. And God, it is so good that you remind us again and again that we come here to worship you freely of one accord because we want to. We make a conscious choice to be your followers and your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we'd ask that you would just hear our prayers and that you'd remind us always of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we are so thankful that you taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for praying with me this morning. Our next hymn is number 480, Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us. Number 480, in our red hymnal, Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us.
scripture reading this morning is found in the Gospel of John, chapter 21, beginning with verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Jesus was hurt because Peter, excuse me, Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we are so thankful for the hymns that we have sung, the prayers that we have offered, the scriptures that we have read. And Lord, I would ask that we would have the continued presence of your spirit in our lives. And that would be open to those things so that we can have better relationships with you and better relationships with our family members and friends. Help us now, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. Well, here we are on my third, third sermon of our eight things to give up in 2016. And so far we've talked about doubting yourself. We've talked about negative thinking. Uh, today we're going to talk about fear of failure. Hopefully the next time I preach, it'll be criticizing yourself and others, negative self-talk, and if we get to it, procrastination, fear of success, and then people-pleasing. In fact, Lynn and I were joking about the procrastination remark the last time I preached, because if we get to it, right, we'll, we'll talk about procrastination. You know, in the neighborhood that I live, and I don't know where you happen to live, but you know, we have this weekly routine of taking the garbage cans out to the curb. So the garbage truck comes by, picks up the garbage cans, right? And then you go back out, take your garbage cans off the curb, and you put them back by your house. So there's a house that's kind of a, how, we're, how, how can I say it? We have these little alleys, and there's a house that's the fourth one down on this one alley that we live on. And so you have to, she has to come down the alley with her garbage cans, the lady that lives there. And it's quite a walk. I mean, it's, I would say it's at least a quarter of a block, if you will. And so she comes out, she puts her garbage cans on the curb. The garbage truck comes by, picks up the garbage, and then she leaves the garbage cans on the curb. She doesn't come back and get them and take them up, take them back by her house. So on Saturday, I was hearing somebody out on the curb making some noise, and I was trying to think about what it was. I heard this noise, and I got up to look and see who it was, and there wasn't anybody there. Okay, so I went back, sat down, was watching TV again, heard the noise again, and I'm like, what is this? I get up, look out the curtain, there's nobody there. Sit down again, watching TV a little while longer, I hear the noise again, and Lynn finally looked out the curtain, and it was the lady that lives her garbage can a quarter block away, and she was making these trips. Now think about this. She's making these trips to the garbage can at the curbside to put her garbage in the garbage can. 
Now you got the picture here, right? So what would your immediate reaction to be if you understood that? Right? Why isn't she taking the garbage cans to her house, right? They're empty, right? Take them to her house and then put the garbage in while she's there. And then when the garbage can is full, every week, just take them back, put it back in the curb. And so I must admit I was getting a little annoyed because I sit on the street, right? So I see her garbage cans all of the time. And I was getting a little annoyed because those of us who served in the military, we seem to have this anal retentive thing about garbage. We don't mind clutter, but we got this thing about garbage, right? I mean, you take out your garbage, right? You police your area. Yeah, you all, you all know what I'm talking about. And so uh, as I was thinking about it, I was kind of getting annoyed because her garbage cans are out in front of our house. And then the Lord reminded me of this excellent illustration and that's why I'm sharing it with you this morning, is what do you do with your garbage? Not the physical sense of your garbage, but what do you do with the garbage that you have accumulated in life? And we all have garbage. You know, one of the things that I'm involved in is I teach these retreats, and they have to do with interpersonal skills. And the, the first meeting of our retreat, it's usually on a Friday evening and it goes through the weekend, one of the things that we talk about is we talk about the risk factors that we have in our lives. And there are certain risk factors that are in our lives that we cannot change them. It is what it is. But there are other things in our life that we can change if we want to change. And I want to suggest to you this morning that one of the things that we can do is to take care of our own personal garbage. And to do it, and I don't want to use the word easy way, but to do it in a way that is the best way for us personally, in terms of how to do with that. And I think that's one of the reasons why we have a fear of failure, because we have accumulated this garbage in our lives, and we are afraid that if we're put in certain situations that we're going to do X, Y, and Z because we're still holding on to the garbage that we have accumulated. Instead of taking the garbage that we have accumulated, putting it in, in, in the garbage can where it belongs, and taking out where it needs to be, not leaving the garbage can out there so we have to make extra trips with our garbage, right? But to put it where it needs to be, the garbage. How many of you all have garbage? Okay, I see that slightly raised hand. But we all have garbage. And so as we read this passage this, this morning with Peter, Peter had his garbage. And you remember what Peter did. Did he deny Christ three times, right? You remember that story? So Peter did that. So Peter had his garbage. And what's interesting is as Jesus is talking to him about not about his garbage, but he's telling him what he wants for him to do in the future with people that are followers of Jesus Christ. And he asks them the same question three times. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody asks me the same question three times and I've given him the same answer, I get pretty annoyed when it comes to question number three. And Peter is no different than us. And when we talk about the fear of failure, we do have things in our lives that prevent us 
from being the successful person that God wants us to be. And I'm not talking about the success the way the world defines it. I'm talking about success the way that God defines it. And success in our lives should be one in which it is based on our relationship with God every day. And every day as we get up in the morning, we are going to have to deal with our garbage. I have to deal with my garbage every day. My spiritual garbage. My emotional garbage. And as we think about that, as we think about what we do with our garbage, the best thing that we can do for ourselves is when we begin to have that emotional and spiritual garbage at the beginning of our day, what should we do with it? Yeah, we should throw it out. We should get rid of it. Because that garbage, every day, it's an everyday process, that garbage, if it is not taken care of, we are going to have things in our life that are going to occur to us, situations, and more times than not, we probably will fail in those circumstances. And God is telling us, there's no need for you to have that fear of failure. Because you have a relationship with me through my son, Jesus Christ. And one of the things that we see here as we think about Peter's story and how he had denied Christ, and now Christ is reminding him three times about what he needs to do now going forward. One of the things in that story is the whole idea of the fact that Jesus had told Peter that he would deny him three times. So in that sense, Peter had an awareness that something might happen to him, that he might deny Christ. But once again, it was his pride and his arrogance in a very brash way that he said, I am not going to fail. I am not going to deny you. And we know that he did. And one of the things that we need to be aware of in our relationship with God, there are going to be times that we might fail in a circumstance. And what does that do for us? I'm not talking about the fear of failure. I'm talking about the fact that you and I know ourselves so well that we know that in certain circumstances we are probably going to react a certain way. And if we go into those circumstances with that pride and that arrogance, that self-confidence, and I'm not talking about self-confidence in terms of what you can do as a person. I'm talking about that self-confidence that gets you into trouble. Do you understand that? I'm not saying not to have self-confidence. I'm talking about that self-confidence, that arrogance that you know you're headed for trouble. And I think when we understand that, we can see how we do fail. Because we find ourselves in circumstances, as Peter did, with this sense of self-confidence that's based on arrogance, in terms of there is no way that I am going to fail in this situation. And if we're honest with ourselves, we probably do fail in those circumstances because we think we are not going to fail. And it is so in that that one of the reasons why we have this fear of failure is we have this understanding about ourselves that we know that in our arrogance we are probably setting ourselves up for failure. One of the things that we need to consider 
is as Peter understood himself, at least he found himself out in a little better way later on after he denied Jesus Christ, he needs to understand about the truth about ourselves. Do you know the truth about yourself? Do you know what circumstances that if you place yourself in those circumstances that you're probably going to fail? I know that there are certain circumstances in my life, there's a truth out there that exists about me, that if I'm in certain situations, I know that I am going to fail. I'm going to fail morally, I'm going to fail ethically, I'm going to fail spiritually, I'm going to fail emotionally. So do you have that understanding about your truth, about who you are as a person? Because Jesus, once again, I think is reiterating to Peter the self-awareness about himself, about who he was. And in the same way, a lot of times we don't know the truth about ourselves because we do not spend enough time with God to understand the truth about ourselves. There was a Buddhist monk uh, on, the, on the news, you know, one of these sound bites that you see as you're going through the media thing, as you're looking at different things, and he's supposed to be the most happiest person on the face of the earth. And he talks about the time that he spends each day. He spends 15 minutes each day. And that makes him the most happiest person on the face of the earth. That's this what this article was talking about. But I took away from it the fact that he was spending time in a different sense, not thinking about the things of this world. Not thinking about the things that could deprive him of his happiness, of his joy. And in the same way, within our relationship with Jesus Christ, do we take the time to spend with God to find out more about ourselves? To make ourselves better? How to take that garbage that we have each day that we have to deal with, and how do we throw it out as quickly and as expeditiously as we possibly can, because we don't want that garbage to be a part of our lives, right? So do we take that time? to spend with God. Because that's what God wants us to do. It doesn't necessarily have to be a half hour or an hour. Just take, just try five minutes. Five minutes. I mean, some of our hymns are longer than five minutes. Just five minutes with God. Just spending time. Just thinking about the things of God. It could be listening to Christian music. It could be certain types of hymns that you enjoy. It could be listening to the scriptures. It could be praying, absolutely. It could be, could be reading the scriptures. Something that you do where you take the time out every day to think about the things of God. Because if we do that, if we spend that time with God, we have that self-confidence that is based on our relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Not based on a selfish, arrogant attitude. And so we can go into those circumstances that we find ourselves in. Because there's no need to be concerned about the fear of failure when you're walking with God. When you're thinking about the things of God. 
Because what it does, it just increases our awareness more of our circumstances. We have a better awareness of the situations that we're in. We have better awareness about ourselves and how we react and respond to certain situations and people. And so consequently, there is no need for us to have the fear of failure because God is always with us. God is by our side. Our strength and power about who we are doesn't come from ourselves, but it comes from our relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And unless we follow that path, you and I are going to fail. Unless we follow the path of wanting to walk with God, your future is predictable. Because you are going to fail if you are without God in your life. You are going to fail. I don't want to fail. I don't want you to fail. I'm sure you don't want to fail. But if we understand that, we see that as we go before God as we are, we understand ourselves better. We take our concerns. We take who we are to God. We take those fears that we have and then we realize in the perspective that God has given us that we can do those things that God has asked us to do. And he's only asked us to do two things. What is the first thing? To love God. Second thing is to love each other. Those are only two things that God asks us to do. Love God and love your neighbor. And it doesn't mean we always get there, but I think the purpose of that is trying each day to love God and to love your neighbor. And when we do those things, we have a total different attitude about the circumstances that we are in, about the people that we are with, because we are enriched with a new strength that gives us that spiritual and emotional energy that we need to have as we walk with God. We have that confidence in God, in all things, in all of our circumstances. And then when we do have that whole idea of the fear of failure, we can set it aside and we can actually say with joy in our heart, God, it is not my will, but your will be done in my life. Because I think a lot of times we set our own selves up for failure. Have you ever been in situations where you actually predict the conversation that's going to take place with somebody? You know what I mean? I know that you know the person so well, you know they're going to say this, you know how they're going to push your buttons, right? Right? We all have buttons, right? So you know how they're going to try to push your buttons, right? And then of course you know how you're going to respond because you know how to push their buttons. Right? And so all of a sudden, it happens, right? We do that. We understand people so well sometimes that we know what buttons they're going to push in us, and then in return, we're going to be upset with them and we're going to start pushing their buttons, right? And that's the kind of thing that God is saying, set that aside. Set that aside. Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do those things. And you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear 
if you think about those two things. Because you will be delivering on those things that God has asked us to do. Love God and love your neighbor. Think about that for a minute. Think about those circumstances that you find yourselves in. If you execute just those two thoughts, loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. Now, that does not mean that you let people do whatever they want to do to you. No. But what it does mean is that your attitude and actions in those circumstances is one of compassion. It's not one of anger. It's not one of hate. It's one of compassion. And sometimes that compassion includes doing the right thing. That might be that tough love that somebody might need. But it's doing the right thing. That's what I'm talking about. Sometimes when we think about loving your neighbor as yourself, we just think, oh, people can walk all over us and we become a doormat. No. What that means is for you to become self-aware that sometimes doing the right thing is practicing that tough love. Saying the word no. Because you realize it's the best decision that you can make. And I think sometimes when people think about loving neighbor as yourself, they think that we have to go through life saying yes. No. (laughs) You don't have to go through life saying yes. Sometimes the right thing to do, the right decision to make, is to say no to certain circumstances. Say no to things that you know is not glorifying God. Because if the things that you're being asked to do does not reflect on the love of God, does not reflect on loving your neighbor as ourself, the answer should be no. Make sense? And so when we go into those circumstances, we understand that we can fulfill those things that we have promised before God. We see within our lives that as we struggle and as we deal with those failures, we know that again and again and again, as long as our heart is open to the things of God, to love God, to love our neighbor as ourselves, again and again we see that we are humble before God when we think of those two things. I know I am. Because when I think about loving God, I come before God with a heart that should be humble, that should have humility. Remember we talked about that a couple of weeks ago in terms of what being humble meant and what showing humility was, right? It's have the power to act upon a situation and that you do not act upon it because it's not the right thing to do. But we go before God and we see ourselves before God just as we are. And we can see the presence of God in our lives. We can sense his presence. We can feel his love. We can understand what he has done for us. And then we also see as we go to before God in all things that when we try to love other people as ourselves, we see how difficult it is. I am trying to love the neighbor that leaves her garbage cans out in front of my house and my curb. Uh, that's silly, right? But we do get annoyed about those kind of things. Now, she's never going to know that I'm annoyed with her. And Lynn would never allow me to go outside and to say anything to her. 
But those are the things that we find ourselves in. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's the most simplest things that we have the most difficulty with. But that's what God wants us to do. To love God, to go before God, to deal with those circumstances where He wants us to have compassion. Because when we do that, we reveal the commitment that we have about God through His Son, Jesus Christ. We reveal about ourselves who we truly are. You know, we come here to chapel and you hear me say this again and again and again. Everybody that comes here comes here because they want to. Right? There's not a family altar here, right? In other words, your parents didn't go here, your grandparents didn't go here, your great-grandparents didn't go here. You come here because you want to. You come here with the hope that we get a chance to worship, that I might luck out and preach a good sermon. But you know what? That always just opens my heart because I know that all of you are here because you want to be. And that's what God wants us to do with Him. We come before God because we want to. Freely. We choose to. It's not a have-to situation. We're not going before God with our head in hand asking Him for something. We're coming before God because we want an earnest relationship with Him in all things. We want to follow the will of God in our lives. And in that openness that we see who we are, in that openness, just like Peter before Christ, you know, he told Christ at the end here of our passage of Scripture, God, you, Christ, you know that I love you because you know all things. And in the same way, God knows all things. He knows about our circumstances. He knows about our life. He wants us to renew that commitment to Him every day. Because when we renew that commitment, we realize the access to the power of God that we have to handle those circumstances. And we can truly say, Lord, not my will, but Your will be done in my life. So we have no fear of failure because we know that those circumstances have already been taken care of before God. And then we see within that the confirmation that God gives us through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The confirmation of the fact that you and I walk by faith and not by sight. The confirmation that God loves us just for the way we are. Have I already made some mistakes this morning? Have I already sinned this morning? i got to tell you, yeah, I did. And the first thing I did this morning is when I drove out of my garage onto the street and I looked to my left, what did I see? Two garbage cans looking at me. No, I'm saying, But you, you see what I'm saying? You understand that? And so when we do that, and we understand that. We say, God, you know, I committed to you. Lord, I, I, I confess to you that I just have that wrong attitude and action about things. And it's a freeing experience when we understand that. Now, the garbage cans are still going to be there when I go home. But you know what? God has reminded me that 
I have my garbage that I have to deal with every day. And so we are to put that garbage away as quickly as we can. Not to have the fear of failure about the circumstances that we find ourselves in in everyday life. Because we walk with God. God knows all things. And when we are open to that, we see that the fear of failure that we have is truly foolishness from the standpoint that you and I should not be afraid about anything. It's not foolhardy. It's not putting ourselves in circumstances where we allow ourselves to get hurt. But it's that fear of failure that as we walk with God, the circumstances that we find ourselves in are only temporary. And what truly matters is our relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. That we love God first and foremost. And that we love each other as we love ourselves. And in doing so, we can overcome that fear of failure that we have. Let us endeavor to do that in all, each day. Amen. Please take a few moments and prepare your hearts for communion as we think about the fact that we have failed before God. We have failed each other. But you know what? That's why Christ died for us on the cross. For all of our failures. For all of our sins. For all of the things that we have done in our lives. The scriptures tell us that our sin is forgiven as far as the east is from the west. That means all have been forgiven. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious God, thank you that you have reminded us that our fear of failure is when we are basing all of our circumstances on what we can do, not what you can do. Forgive us, God, when we have allowed the fear of failure to overcome us to the point that we are afraid to do anything new, to try anything different. When we have become so overwhelmed, Lord, that we just cannot even function anymore. But you've reminded us that we shouldn't have a fear of failure. You've reminded us that we should just have a relationship with you to love you in all things. And Lord, we thank you for this public testimony of taking communion together as one body of believers in your Son, Jesus Christ. Because in doing so, we are showing that our fear of failure was taken to the cross, was crucified on the cross, died on the cross, was buried, and that the new resurrection in our lives reminds us we should not be concerned about failure because we have success in you. Thank you, God. In Christ's name, amen.
I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake together. Our closing hymn this morning is number 476. Give of your best to the Master. 476.
Our gracious God, thank you that you have reminded us, Lord, that you love us even with all of our failures and that there is nothing in our lives that we need to fear. Thank you, God, for that confidence you've given us this morning. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for coming.